You're listening to Abroad, where we celebrate the diversity and humility of immigration through storytelling. I'm your host, Michelle. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Abroad. And today, uh, DJ is joining us. Hey, DJ. How are you? Hey, everybody. Hey, good. Thanks. How are you? Very good, and it's a pleasure to be here and to speak with you. It's an honor to have you on the show. Thanks so Thank much. You. Where are you at the moment? I am at home in beautiful Denver, Colorado right now. Mm, very nice. Yes. Yeah. The leaves are changing, and it's fall here, and it's beautiful, and it's really nice to be home. Mm, sounds so great. Um, so DJ and I met because we're both into the music scene. I think that's the simplest way to put it. It would be, yeah. Yeah. And, um, we met at, at Terrapin. Yeah, we did at Terrapin mm-hmm. Crossroads. Yeah. Um, and DJ plays with Carl Denson's tiny universe and he has his own incredible projects as well. Um, so we met there and I just thought, I need to know that person. And I remember right. I actually turned to my friend at the time and I said, I'm going to meet him tonight. <laughs> yes. I'm going to meet him. And she was like, okay, Michelle. Like, <laughs> yeah. It happened pretty organically too. It wasn't like yeah. a forced meeting. Like we like kind of both kind of like caught each other backstage. And this like naturally this really great conversation sparked. And we've been talking ever since then. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. No. I know that was cool but I just you know there's some people you you come into their energy space and you're like I'm supposed to know that person yeah like absolutely. I can, can feel the vibes you know so that's that's really special and then we've been on a few adventures since it's always a bunch that's of true. laughter and just <laughs> you know celebrating and enjoying Exactly. Um, so that's really special. So yeah, um, I would love to hear um, a bit about your family history, about your mom and dad, and where you're from. Of course. Um, my mother and father are from two bordering countries on the west coast of Africa. My father's from Sierra Leone, and my mother is from Liberia, and they were there and the first time they ever came to the States is when they were both going to college. I don't think they, they didn't know each other then, but my dad went to um, NYU and my mother went to Alma College in Michigan. And that was the first time they had come to the States. And um, I was born in Plainfield, New Jersey, which is like 30 minutes outside of New York City. And shortly after I was born, Probably like six months after I was born, we moved back to Liberia, where I lived for a good chunk of my childhood for like four or five years. Mm-hmm. So and you were born um, here. They met, they met here through the universities. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like a mutual friend introduced them, and they were always kind of going back and forth. And then they decided to settle in uh, New Jersey because my dad worked in New York, so he commuted. He is a... Uh, but was a diamond appraiser for Harry Winston. So he traveled a lot. Yeah. And um, so when I was born, we moved back to Africa and I was there until I was like starting school. And then we moved to London where I'd started like preliminary school. And then when I was about six, we came back to the States. And that's when I moved to Richmond, Virginia, where I grew up most of my life. And started life here in the States. So I did a lot of moving around as a child because of my parents and because like of my dad's job. It was pretty wild. So I got to experience a lot of different cultures in the first like formative years of my life, which was like from the time I was born to I was like six, seven years old, I had experienced at least seven or eight different countries. Yeah. So it was, it was really interesting childhood and I'd wouldn't change any any of it for the world. It was, I think it's really formed who I am today. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's changed um, 
your perception of just um, adapting to new culture. I, I feel like kids that grow up in different cultures, they always have this element that's they're a little easier to adapt to different things and also to oh, adapt absolutely. to speaking to different people from different cultures. Definitely. Because you, you're kind of in it when you're, you're young. You're not thinking about it. You're just, this is how life is. And this is, and I think there's a different stigma in other cultures than there is in American cultures when it comes to bringing up your kids and, and kind of giving them the social skills to meet other people. Like there's, I don't know those, and especially like in Africa, there wasn't like, Social anxiety, like, wasn't really a thing. You just kind of, like, met people when you had to, and you just did it because everyone else was around you. There wasn't this stigma of it having it to be hard or anything, you know, or, or being shy. No one in, especially, I, I couldn't really speak for, like, Liberian culture more. Liberian culture, like, being a shy kid, like, wasn't necessarily a thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of African cultures are like that. It's like, hey, absolutely. how are you? Like, it's not... Um, there isn't, oh, I don't know how to explain it. I think there's just like this community connection totally. and there's this community expression. It's big, it's expressive and we come together and, you know, we speak. I just, it's, uh, it's kind of hard to explain. Right. But I know yeah. exactly what you mean. I'm glad you do. Cause I was having a hard time explaining <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those of you listening, you're just gonna have to disbelieve us. <laughs> yeah, just you know, just figure it out yourself. Yeah. You're just gonna have yeah. to go like go to Africa and like actually go figure to Africa it out. And, but and learn these secret powers you've been giving to help us. We really <laughs> have. The world. Yeah. We really have. I think there's this. I've okay. So this is my conclusion about it. It's there's this joy, inevitable joy of life there, that isn't reliant on what is this person going to give me or what is this, that it's just like a joy in the culture, in the expression of like being and communicating. And I think that that welcomes people in to not have social anxiety because you feel this feeling of acceptance. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's really, (laughs) there you go. Okay. (laughs) They can figure out the rest. (laughs) They can figure (laughs) out the rest. Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> That's awesome. Do you remember anything about when you went back? I mean, you were so young, but do you remember anything about Africa when you moved back? Um, yeah, because I would go back in the summers, especially when I started living in the, in Virginia again. We we would go back in the summers, except for there's a few years when like the coup was going on, so we didn't go for a couple of years. But I like when I was in middle school, we we would go back, and I, that's probably like where my strongest memories come from mm-hmm. are and, there any yeah, memories that like pop out to you you're like oh my gosh this one time and that was really like transformational for you uh I think the first time I went back after being in the states for a few years and I hadn't been to Africa in a while I remember we landed and just like the feeling of like not being the minority anymore like washed over me and I was like this is absolutely amazing like your whole way of life changes before your eyes when like you're not the minority you're the majority and like I don't know there's a certain amount of pride and like you carry yourself a little bit differently and I think that what stood out to me the most I think I was like in like sixth grade and we went back to Africa and that was like the first thing that struck me and and it's and it still stuck with me to this day is that memory Hmm. That's beautiful. I I really yeah. love that. You know. I think maybe one of the listeners want to do this, but I've had this idea of um, you know, maybe it's out there already. But an organization that takes um, you know, different people from cultures and will basically take like the black communities and take them to Africa and mm-hmm. have them feel what it feels like to have that African pride where you are a part of the majority. There's so much pride. There isn't this like. Yeah. This weird, yeah, it's the whole it's world. So, the whole that. world, yeah, and like you come back and you're like, oh shit, like they don't even know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like the power that that brings, and it's For sure. it's so beautiful and so important, and I I know that people find their communities here, but to just be in a world where you are majority is is yeah. really special, and being a part of that. 
that African culture because it's so it's so strong and there is so much pride and there is so much happiness mm-hmm. and um, it's funny because I think because I grew up in South Africa I actually feel more comfortable if I'm minority I feel very uncomfortable if I'm majority yeah yeah we've talked about this before too actually yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's it's kind of a funny thing but that that's that's incredible and you have you have some siblings don't you yeah, I have um, an older sister who's, she was actually born in Hamburg, Germany, where I have some family as well, too, because that's where my parents were living at the time, and a younger sister, and she was, uh, she was born in New Jersey, where I was born. Well, like, me and my older sister are 10 years apart, and me and my younger sister are two years apart, so there was a little, little gap there. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, by the way, if you hear any like loud sounds, <laughs> there's construction happening like right <laughs> by the house today. Ah, <laughs> oh, beautiful! Yeah, yeah it's just great. It would be a proper podcast unless there was some construction happening somewhere in it. Exactly. You know, there's like trucks and grass. They're literally just like throwing bricks outside my window. Like yeah. it really, it's not. Yeah. Wouldn't be. <laughs> wouldn't be complete without that. Um, so, so that's really cool. So your sister was 10 years older than you. And mm-hmm. do you feel like, did she bring a lot of the culture or a lot of her experience into your life being an older sister? Uh, she brought mostly like the American culture stuff in my life that I was kind of like not privy to. She's like mm-hmm. the catalyst of the music that I listened to. Cause she was like the cooler older sister who was like, into everything hip. So like she's the one who introduced me to like Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix and Fishbone and like Avail and like all these like underground punk bands. Like she would sneak these records into my room. And like, I just remember like just sitting there being like in awe of like what I thought was like, she was like a music encyclopedia. And I was just like, this bitch is like the coolest person I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. Just like Vasa's bitch with like the best music ever. Like thanks. Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah. That That is so cool. You know, I like to think of myself that way in my brother's life because we're 15 years okay. apart, but I send him like the best music and we'll go back and exactly. forth. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but that that's so cool. And that's a huge influence in your life because Absolutely. this is your passion and this is your, your career. So you're an incredible musician. Do you want to uh, share a bit about your journey um, finding your passion for music? Uh the, the passion for music is something that was always there from the beginning. Like from the time I remember hearing music and like understanding that this is what this is, I immediately fell in love with it. And I started, um, my parents made me and my sisters, you had to pick an instrument when you were four years old and you had to stick with it for a very long time. Like you had to commit to it. And uh, I picked piano. And I studied um, classical piano with this amazing Japanese lady in New York named Miss Suzuki. And her family is the one who actually invented the Suzuki method of music. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it was like really an honor to like study under this lady. And she kind of opened up this whole world of how to hear music and how to interpret music and how to like really like find your own voice. And it was, at a very young age, it was like a very interesting way to learn music. And that started my love of playing music forever. And then I picked up drums and I didn't pick up guitar until later. So I was like in almost a junior or senior in high school. And then when I did that, I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is my voice. This is like <laughs> how I want to communicate music to the world. I found mm-hmm. like, I felt like I finally found my voice when I started playing guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was totally like the high school band nerd. I did the marching band. Yeah, thing. you were. I did like yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> I mean, just lived and breathed music every day, and then I like started a band, and like that kind of is the catalyst of of cool. And it was just like okay, like mm-hmm. I think I can do this. And I was in this hardcore band called Defcon One. No way. Yeah, I, I was a <laughs> no drummer. Way. I was a freshman. And the other guys were seniors, and I thought like I had like hit the cool gold mine, and it was it was awesome. Oh man, yeah, that's hilarious, right? 
Yeah. I think there's a, I think there's a video floating around of, of one of these shows somewhere. I need this in my life. <laughs> <laughs> if I find it, I'll have to like, yeah, I'll get it. I'll put it into like digital format and okay. and I might leak it to the internet. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm, I'm really yeah. looking forward to this. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so special, man. So you found your passion. I love that your parents said like, you know, you have to pick an instrument and you need to stick with it. Yeah, I, um, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love music. And my dad was a drummer and was drumming on everything all the time. But he basically said, what do you want to play? And whenever you want to change it, change it. So I literally played <laughs> piano, <laughs> drums, marimba. And like, <laughs> I was yeah. in a marimba band. <laughs> yeah. And like... I was just like alternating between. So what does this marimba band consist of? Oh my god! (laughs) Does everyone in the band play marimba? Everyone's playing marimba at the same time (laughs) at different parts, and there are different like (laughs) harmonies of like marimba to like Beatles songs and shit like that. That's awesome. uh, Yeah, it was it was my version of like nerdy band member. It was fun. I had a good time. You need to reassemble like, cool. an, like, a, like a Beatles tribute band, but just all marimba. <laughs> and take that on the road. Because I will, I will support that 100%. Oh, that, that's hilarious. I think I'd rather do like Pink Floyd or something like that. Or Toto. Or, I would totally do <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. We have all these inside jokes. They're, gonna have to, like, they're just going to have to figure them out somehow. Yeah. Okay. Well, you want to explain to the people okay. about, about how you would, how you pronounce Toto. <laughs> okay. So okay. So DJ DJ was on a journey, a little a tour, and swooped me up for a bit of the tour, which was really fun. And um, it's you know I grew up with Toto, but I don't call him Toto. It's Toto. Toto. Yeah. It's that's Toto. Not the band at all. That's a that's a completely different band. <laughs> Toto. So now this became the inside joke. It's become a long-running inside a, joke. Oh, like yeah. many years, probably oh, yeah. five years. At least. At, at least. least. <laughs> joke. Um, Toto is always anytime. The, anytime. Any Toto song comes on, you're the first person I think of from now on because it's just it's that ingrained in my brain. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm very honored, honestly. Yeah. I I love Toto, man. I love Toto. him. But uh, you know, it's it's really I think our word for like, yeah, live it up or like yes. Absolutely. Like, you know, yes. It's just like we use Toto. <laughs> That's it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, not Toto. Because so I was like, it's not Toto. Toto. It's not T O D O. It's Toto. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Um. Anyway, there you go. So, okay, so your mom and dad, did they have a lot of traditional cooking at home? Absolutely. Yeah, and did they make different kinds of things, like different, like uh, Sierra Leone dishes and Liberian dishes, or were they different? Um, there's actually or similar, there's a lot of the same dishes, because they're like, the countries weren't that far apart, so like the cuisine doesn't change that much. Mm-hmm. The only thing that was different is that they would eat the same dish and have, the, like, a different name for it. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, like, one of my favorite dishes is called peanut stew. It's, like, peanut stew in Liberia, but it's called groundnut sauce in Sierra Leone, in, like, their, like, language. But they mm-hmm. eat a lot of the same, like, foods. And both of my parents are, like, really amazing cooks. So I have, like, mm. so many favorite African, African dishes. And I've learned to make the ones that I really like myself because I got tired of, like, trying to ask my parents to send me African food. And I think they got pretty tired of it too. So mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you need to learn to make these. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm booking yeah. my flights. You're going to cook for me. I'm ready. I will. Yeah, Absolutely okay. Okay, yeah. Deal. I'll make you tea because the English <laughs> don't have very good food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, they always try to, why do the English try to boil everything? I don't know, man. That's it's like just... their version of cooking. They just want to boil it. I know. I think it's because it's so cold there and rainy all the time. They just want to boil shit. Like, yeah. I don't know. They really do want to boil everything. It's like, okay, let's have like, 
let's have potatoes and let's have like you know and i'm I'm such a combination of cultures too because i have a lot of the dutch as well and oh yeah that's right yeah and um i found out that i'm actually a little bit mediterranean and a little bit as south indian too (laughs) oh wow yeah i found that out recently and i was like oh that's interesting. You know, but these uh, DNA tests are so silly because it's like, you are <laughs> two, I mean, it's 2%. Like everybody's yeah. a little bit of everything. It's such a small mm-hmm. amount, but um, it's it's interesting still kind of learning about where we come from and and the combination of things that could be in there. But, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So what other dishes do you like? So there was the ground peanut what what? Peanut stew. Stew, okay. Yeah. And then... uh, another one's called palaver sauce, which is also like another favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, the okra dish is really popular. It's like a like mm-hmm. an okra stew served over rice. And they have, uh, you ever had fufu in soup? No, never. Fufu is like, like this, this, like, it's almost like a potato, but it's like, I don't know how to describe it, but they like, whip it up and they like ball it up and it's like it's like have you ever had like matzo ball soup it's like that but the, the matzo is like called fufu instead and it's a little bit like softer and like mashed potato like and it's mm-hmm. served it in like a bowl of like really spicy soup and it's so good Ooh, that sounds so yummy in south africa yeah. we have a version of that it's called pup it's like uh-huh. um cornmeal that's all white and it is kind of mashed potato but like corn yeah. wheaty based and they make a, so they'll have like a plate, they'll put that in the middle. Then they'll make a tomato gravy with chicken yeah. and with onions, like sweet onions and chicken. And they'll put that all around it, like in a circle. Mm-hmm. And then you eat the pup with your hands. You like pull pieces off and yeah, you dip like it, in it in the sauce. In the sauce. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is making me very hungry already. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, like man. great, like wintertime, like comfort food chill for me. Oh, yeah. Even though it's like never winter in Africa, but for some reason, these foods remind me of winter. I know. And I feel like a lot of the foods are like sharing foods, right? Like you can make a big pot of pup or whatever it is, and then everybody can share and like get their hands in and like have Mm -hmm. a little bit. I mean, it sounds like kind of like, ah, up to COVID. (laughs) All right. But that's the culture, though. Like, shared the part of like that act of sharing food is like, that it's very ritualistic and it's like a close expression of hey this is my food and you're in my home and i bring you in and i share this with mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. yeah exactly exactly so um you know african mothers are very powerful beings oh, and absolutely. in my uh, experience african mamas they run the house and it's you know i i just think it's a, a really beautiful culture did your mom um, what like what did she embody in terms of that in terms of bringing uh, the culture in with uh, like the environment you were being raised in in the states? Um, I think it was just it was like a natural way of of upbringing for for my mom and for, I mean I don't really even necessitate a a culture thing maybe just because it's the only thing that I know so I don't really have anything to compare it to. But it was, it was I, like, it was in a very strict household, but it wasn't so strict that it was, like, run, like, a military camp. It was just, I wasn't allowed to do with a lot of things my, like, other friends were, were allowed to do. And at the time, I hated it, and I just thought it was, like, but it's just, like, that was the African upbringing. My mom was the one who had the last word. And yes. it was just, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't love it at the time, but I love it now that I look back on it. <laughs> it's definitely like, it's, I mean, I've, I have a lot more discipline than most people I know. I have a better work yeah. ethic than most people I know. And I think yeah. a lot of it has come from her. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're kind of ingrained in your being like, there are things that you need to get done. And this is the discipline. This is the practice of discipline that it takes to get there. And Yeah, more of a practice. Yeah, yeah practice of like, if you say you're going to do something, do it. And if you're going to yeah. do it, do it well and do it on time and mm. do it, do it the best you can always. Mm. And show Never up with your best. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of like my upbringing was to like prepare me to be a black man in America. And yeah. that's, that's a whole another separate side of bringing up a child that I don't know, there's a whole other set of rules you have to instill 
mm-hmm. to prepare me for this not so nice world that's out here, you know? Mm-hmm. It's true. What do you feel like if there's a message that you'd want to pass on to other people of the black community having experienced Africa, um, having, you know, like, what is, is there a message that you feel like you'd like to pass on or that you'd um, like others to hear? I know it's a big question, but. Yeah, it is. But I guess for me, if it was a class passing on to other black Americans mm-hmm. with and bringing something from Africa to know that our strength is in our numbers and it's deep rooted into our culture. And I think it's something that's forgotten a lot of times. And I think we tend to put the blame on our shortcomings too much on others or the environment or on the white community when really like we can, within ourselves, we have a lot more power together and can do a lot more good by embracing each other and lifting each other up. Mm-hmm. Yes. More than anything else. Yes. Because that's exactly what they do in Africa. That's how like mm-hmm. these prominent nations have come up and like by us banding together and us lifting each other up and supporting each other. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. And, and really holding each other and, and uh, like up leveling together, you know. Absolutely. And I think that there's a part of, I mean, this is a whole nother like rabbit hole, but there's a part of society that really wants division because they know oh, totally. that there's power in numbers and they, they know that there's, there's power in unity yep. and in community and in finding strength in each other. And if they create that kind of separation, it's it that power, power is dispersed. Yeah. yeah. It's not, it's not a solid foundation. So True. yeah. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. I absolutely love that. Um, so what is, um, tell me a bit more about Virginia. Like, what was it like growing up as a black man in Virginia? Uh, it is, for me, it was, it was really good, actually. It's, in Richmond, it was like, it's funny because, like, Virginia is like the capital of the Confederacy, and it's got, like, it's got all this dark, dark history. But, like, as I was coming up there as a child of, like, the 80s and 90s, there was, like, a lot of influx of people from the north into Richmond who were a little bit more forward-thinking and a little bit more, like, progressive. And so it changed Virginia a lot. And I had a really positive experience growing up in Richmond. And I still love going back there. I still love that city and like the music and the culture and the food and I don't know just like when I think about my childhood there it was always a positive experience I have had negative experiences and I've had my share of like racial experiences there but the majority of it I've heard worse in like places like Georgia and Alabama and stuff it wasn't like that vibe it was was a little bit more progressive and forward-thinking than what most people think Virginia would be But the music is what was, I mean, that was my catalyst of, of everything. I think Richmond specifically had this, it had this vibe and it had this sound. It wasn't even like genre specific. It wasn't like just like rock and roll or just country. It was like everything. Like, look at all these great artists that are from Virginia. Like, a lot of people don't know Missy Elliott is from Virginia. Dave Grohl is from Virginia. D'Angelo is from Virginia. Uh, Pharrell, Timbaland, it's like this, it can go on all day. It's like Johnny Guitar Watson. There's a deep history there. And it's like Richmond is a city by the river. And they said there's also always something special about cities that are by the river, like Muscle Shoals, that kind of like beers, a music community. Mm-hmm. Mm, that sounds so special. I've never been there. Yeah, I think you would really love it too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I love uh, New Orleans and I love like, I mean, obviously I love music communities. Like that's my life, mm-hmm. but um, it's never really been on the radar until I met you. And I was like, hmm. Yeah, I, you, you would definitely love it. Hmm. It's got that charm of like New Orleans, but it's like a little bit, I don't know, it's, it's more of its own thing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I love that. Well, I'll have to check it out. Um, so speaking of music, were you exposed to a lot of uh, music from like Sierra Leone and Liberia? Like were your parents big into music from home or like did you find your way? <laughs> yeah, so my or... parents were like, they're partiers. And like if there's one thing I remember about my childhood, it was like <laughs> almost every other weekend we had like these kind of like ragers. At our house. And it was That's like so my parents. Fun. It was like three times oh, yeah. a week. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember just like the house being like loud and people smoking cigars and like kind of belligerent and just like laughing all the time. And like, but the music was like all over the place. So it'd be like African music and like, like the conga line kind of vibe is like kind of prominent in that scene. Mm. And, but it would also like, would rock like Gladys Knight and the Pips. And they would put on like Luther Vandross, <laughs> like so. It was like, yeah, it was like that combination of everything they loved from home, but they also like, I mean, they came to America in the '60s for college, so they like they were hip to like the R&B and and like that the Detroit uh, like Motown scene. My parents mm-hmm. loved all that. My dad loved like the Beatles and Elvis. So like it was a very eclectic mix of music playing at my house like all the time. It was never just like mm. African music, which is, I thought was awesome. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. And then your sister would come out and put on Led Zeppelin. That's so badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so badass. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. My mom was a big Jimi Hendrix fan too. Like, loved mm-hmm. Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. I feel like you, uh, like you kind of embody, like I feel like you embody the kind of Jimi Hendrix energy when you play. Like, I can almost feel you, like, pulling from that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's a a certain certain musicians, like, I don't know, I know it gets to this point where you don't feel like you've been playing yourself anymore. You're just kind of channeling something from some unknown place. And, like, Mm -hmm. I chase that every time I get on stage. It doesn't happen every Mm -hmm. time, but I want it to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that's... Um, I mean, one of the reasons why I've worked in the music industry for so long and I just love working with musicians is they are they are a channel for that. And, and once Absolutely. they get we're once they get to that point, you're a vessel and you're not, you know, there's the I am the musician and I am playing. But you are literally allowing whatever you want to call it, you know, source, divine, celestial, alien, whatever, right? you know, yeah. whatever kind of energy to really come through um for people and i also think that there's a level of presence that draws people in like why do people love going to concerts why are they mesmerized by by musicians because there's so much presence and they're taking you on a journey you know so so it's really special that you actually say that because i think that there's there's a level you know i mean we all have to have some level of ego i feel that kind of protects us and brings us Absolutely. into confidence, whatever. But there's also the like surrendering. And I think this comes up in any form of work where you're like, this is my purpose. Like I feel deeply rooted in purpose and devotion. Yep. Something's going to be working through you. hundred percent agree. Yeah. That's so cool. And I think that's probably the, the thing that I noticed about you the first time I saw you play I felt that and I was like, I need to chat to that person. (laughs) (laughs) I need to talk to that guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I get it though. Yeah. That's so cool. And music brings people together, you know, and I feel like uh, music, like especially in African culture is, it's just such a celebration of, Mm -hmm. of life and, mm, Mm-hmm. I mean, it's home to the oldest instrument in the world, which is the drum. And that's where mm-hmm. it all began. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really special. Um, so what is it like um, being in Denver? Like, I guess, what is the music scene like for you there? What are some of your favorite parts about it culturally? Uh, Denver is it's a lot. It's the music part of Denver is... I'd say 75% of the reason why I moved here because I moved here from living in LA for three or four years and I loved LA. I had a really great 
LA experience. I think I didn't want I didn't want anything from LA. So I think that's and also have like a really good village. I have really good friends there. So like my LA experience is positive. But um I've been playing in Denver for a little over ten years now. And every time I came here, like there was just something about the city. I was just like, man, I really feel like I could live here one day. And I've I said this for like almost ten years before I finally just pulled the trigger and did it. But every time we play here, like people are so engaged in the show and it's just, it's, I mean, there are in other cities, but it's just something special about this place. And it's like, people are a little bit more engaged in, in the show here than in most cities I've been to a ton of like really, really great musicians live here. And the community of Denver itself really supports live music. Like, like the people here will buy tickets to like three or four shows on the same night and we'll make sure to like get to like, all of the shows. They'll go from Red Rocks to like the after party to the after after party to like the late late. <laughs> and it's just like and like in, in huge numbers too. Yeah. And I noticed like I make better money here as a musician. Like I get higher offers for gigs here than, than most other cities too. So it's like a combination of all these things is why I've chosen Denver to live. And also we have one of the most beautiful scenic backyards ever with the Rocky Mountains and just like I can drive I live in downtown but I can literally drive 20 minutes down 70 and be in like this completely isolated field overlooking the foothills with like elk walking past me and all <laughs> of that like seriously that's that's beautiful to me it is yeah yeah and there's something I also feel about being out here on the frontier and like having like this vast open land around me it's easier for me to think in general here to just like mm -hmm. process my feelings my emotions like the environment here it's just easier for me to to do that in yeah does that sure. make sense it does it does i mean that's why i go out to the desert you know yeah i'll go on trips and just be out there and like look at the stars and there's so much open space right like there's, i love being yeah. in the city but also i need that part to like feel human sometimes you know like yeah yeah so to be able to have both so close by and it being so convenient and also beautiful at the same time is i don't know the quality of life here is, is really good and people are really friendly mm -hmm. and open here too mm -hmm. yeah denver offers a lot and i feel like also for musicians it's easier to travel anywhere from there if you're touring oh yeah absolutely yeah. i mean i'm within a three-hour flight to any city in the country like, yeah. and it's usually a direct flight since we like DIA is like a main hub, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think living somewhere where there's such a big artist community that yeah. there, it, there's actually this almost like, um, hmm, almost like a union, I feel, that's formed there of people really advocating for what they need totally, as yeah. artists. And that to me is important because... I think there are lots of cities that don't quite support that and it's a it's a bit of a struggle so yeah and like collaborating with people as well having mm -hmm. home base be close to all these people that are just like you know on fire musicians like that yeah right yeah like literally like woo. yeah it's um it's a very special place it is on almost every single day every night of the week i can go out and find an awesome show or i can go out and play somewhere like there's always some jam session going on so i feel like oh i, I need to play guitar like tonight i can pick up a guitar and go out of the door and find a place to go play music almost any day of the week which is really important to me too I love that. And I like that there's a focus on live music as well, because Absolutely. a lot of cities, it's just like DJs and, you know, and I'm just kind of like, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just not, I'm not that impressed these days by DJs. I love live music and there's something yeah, about there's, just, I mean, I can, I understand the appeal of the scene of like the DJ and EDM scene. Some of it that like, I really enjoy. And then there's a lot of it that, this doesn't do anything for me, but I get what yeah. you're saying now. Yeah, I think it's just the conversation. Like, I love watching the conversation of music on stage. Total, Musicians totally. talking to each other with their instruments. And I think that mm -hmm. there is, you know, I mean, there's really great music. It can be really fun to dance to electronic music. Like, it definitely has its place, too. But 
for me, it's just watching that chemistry on stage is so much fun. Yeah, I love it. Cool. So, um, let's see. So, when were you last um, in Liberia, Sierra Leone? Um, 2009. Oh, it's time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, it's been time. Yeah. Um, my parents actually left for Liberia two days ago. Oh, and cool. I know. And they offered for me to go, but I had some shows and I had like, Mm-hmm. some other things and I turned it down and I said goodbye to them two days ago and I'm like I'm an idiot I was like I should <laughs> put all this aside and just gone because it's, it's like little things like that but you know you keep doing and you think you make these excuses and it turns out it's, it's kind of bullshit in there like I didn't even, I don't need to play these shows it's like yeah I need to go home for a little bit again because it's been well over a decade mm-hmm. but yeah so after Thinking about that and beating myself up about it, like the next opportunity that comes up, I will not be turning it down. I'm just gonna just go. Yeah, for sure. I um, I relate to you. I haven't been home for six years. I mean, I was gonna go for a visit last year, but you know, COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also keep making these excuses because it's kind of like. I think I'm just used to, because we work in creative industries, I'm used to saying, like, yes to everything, and, like, almost, oh, yeah. like, I can't say, I don't want to say no, and, like, I don't know what's coming up next, and I, it's also, like, home is a lot of different places for me, but... Oh, me too. It, it just, it, it is, but also, um, just going back to that land and and seeing the people, seeing family, like, really feeling... What it feels like to be there is a whole nother level of, um, you know, getting rooted and realigning goals and Mm -hmm. reconnecting. So, yeah, I hope we both make it back soon. Oh, we will. Yeah. Well, like I said, we got to we got to tell ourselves to stop making these excuses and just just do it. Yeah. Right. It's it's really important. Right. Yeah. Um, so tell us a bit about your music projects. Which one? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So much happening right now. That's what I'm um, saying. So, okay, well, any ones that you want to mention, man. Uh, well, as far as playing live, uh, Shots Fired has been like my main uh, live show right now. Because Carl is out with the Rolling Stones. And we're not really touring with him until January, or actually the end of this year, because we have like a New Year's run through January. We'll be touring, but um, I built a studio in my new place in Denver, so I'm able to have this space to create almost all the time, anytime I want, and it's been the greatest decision I've ever made. <laughs> like, um, so I've been I work with. Uh, Google and YouTube as a songwriter. So I curate the music for videos for them. And I'm doing, I'm kind of just putting out my own singles. Like every few weeks, I'm putting out a single just to be, just to have something creative, creatively going out into the world and to keep my, my mind and my ears sharp. Mm-hmm. And then um, I just finished a Christmas record that came out this week. <laughs> I'm so excited. And I, yeah, that. Yeah, and it's connected to this really great foundation that I hold dear to me. So mm. that's anytime you get a record, like it raises money for this cancer research program and it helps uh, uninsured women uh, get free um, breast and cervical exams as well, too, mm. through this great company called EVMS. And so it's been really great working w- with them for that. And then I'm also putting out a solo record at some point in the beginning of 2022. So I'm staying pretty busy. Mm. Oh yeah, you are. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I I really like that there's like a there's like a juggle of different projects. It really does keep things fresh. Absolutely. Yeah, and and snappy. So I'm I'm glad that you have that going on. So, you. um, is your band? Are you doing any tours? Uh, no, just kind of like one-off stuff here and there. Like, 
I'm getting ready to go back to Virginia next week to do a show Thanksgiving Eve. And then, so it's just like one-off stuff. Like there's this moment that's happening right now where like as restrictions are living, like lifting, every band in the world is like trying to tour at the same time. So it's like, I've been talking with my manager and my agent and we kind of just kind of collectively decided to take a back seat to touring right now and, and kind of let things die down because it's been kind of stressful to try to like get into these venues that are still trying to make up shows from all the cancellations from COVID, but also like cater to all these bands who have all been sitting at home, not making money. So it's a little bit hectic right now. And I'm lucky that I have other forms of like income doing my studio stuff that I don't necessarily have to be on the road. So that's why I'm taking a backseat to touring right now. I like that too, because you actually have more energy for creating, Yeah, you know, you're creating rather than just, you know, moving around a lot because touring takes a lot of energy. It does. Yeah. And yeah. I find when I'm like on the road a lot, when I get home, like I don't feel like coming up with anything new. I don't feel like being in the studio. So yeah, for sure. It's been really nice. nice Hang on, say that again because you turn into a robot. Oh, we still come back to the beginning of next. Oh, sorry. You turned into a say robot. That say that again. Yeah. Hold, hold on one second. I'm going to switch okay. headphones real quick. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. There we go. That's way better. Yay. Who's Hi. back? Who's <laughs> yeah, <back>? my, <laughs> my uh, AirPods are dying. I was worried about that earlier. Uh, yeah, your voice sounds like much clearer. Good. Hey. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> hey. <laughs> you can edit that out or we can leave it in. It's all it's up to you. That's I'm funny. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um yeah. So, anyway, um, so let's see, what else would I like to ask you? Um, gosh, your parents must be like so proud of you, you know what I mean? Like, because you came here and you really just made the most out of what they get. I feel like there's this responsibility. I mean, I feel this, right? Like, I mm -hmm. moved here when I was 15. Yeah. So I'm first generation here too. And I feel like there were so many sacrifices made for us to be here. And I feel this mm -hmm. responsibility to really fulfill that. Absolutely. I 100% agree. It's like uh, all those things that I was talking about, like my mom instilled in me. It was just like, this is, it would be an absolute squander for me to like come out here and like not make anything of that and not make anything of like, the sacrifices they made for like me and my sisters. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. It's yeah, really special. They tell me they're proud of me, so I believe them. <laughs> 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 because oh they have God. definitely told me when they're not proud of me either, and that shit does not feel good. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Donald, I'm yeah, not oh, proud yeah. of you today. Oh, exactly. They'll, they're totally like, especially my mom. She's like the queen of like building you up to break you the fuck down. Oh my she's God. Like, she's like, but you have all this all this talent and all this, and I just understand why you're not doing anything. And it's just like, well, geez, like, now I'm going to cry. Gonna... <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're the most remarkable, talented yeah, exactly. human being, and you're not doing anything you're not doing with anything it. About it yeah. <laughs> I've never been so disappointed in my life. I'm like, oh that, my yeah. God. <laughs> I was like, I got to turn this whole name around yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, I got to turn it around. But, but it's cool because, you know, I mean, I think, I think parents, like, it's important, you know, you feel this responsibility, sure, to, like, impress your parents, but even more so when it's really rooted in, they know, they know what your full potential is. They totally. know what you're capable of yeah. if you put your mind to it and your action to it, you know, and they just want you to be proud of yourself and, and really exceed whatever limitations are in the way. And I think, mm -hmm. I think that's when it's, yeah, that's really special. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, thank you. Is there anything else that you'd like to share? Anything about your story? Or... 
Uh, no, I think we covered a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, this I is think Scorpio so in me. I only, I'm only speak with so much. <laughs> oh, I, oh my God, Scorpios! I have so many Scorpios in my life, and I actually like. <laughs> We're all over the place. I love that shit. So I'm a Taurus, and I totally oh, yeah. relate to Scorpios because they're like, yeah. they'll share only so much, and then the rest of it is like. If they share things with you, it's actually really special. Like if they take the time. Yeah. I mean, and you'll, you'll really you'll like know. and trust you. They really like you. Like you'll know. Like they'll show up and be like, I'm here. What's up? Mm. You know? And if they don't, like you're just not going to hear from them at all. But it's it's no. also this like brooding, like in the, in the best way, kind of like this brooding emotional type. Like um, they're inward and they'll... Mm they're like cautious with who they share their energy with. I yep. love that. Yeah. That's good. Um, well, thank you so you much. Know, you hit the nail right on the head. Oh, I did. I did. Okay, good. Of course. Yes. Thank you, Michelle. Good. <laughs> I think we just crushed that. <laughs> Wait, say that again? I think we just crushed that. I think we did too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Thanks so much. And where can our listeners find you? How can they support you? Uh, everything I usually keep up to date. DJW Music is my handle on Instagram and Twitter. And also DJWilliamsMusic.com is my website where I update shows and new records and all that good stuff. Mm, perfect. Yep. Thank you. Of course. Thanks so much for tuning in. You've been listening to Abroad the Podcast where we are celebrating the diversity and humility of immigration through storytelling. Maybe you know someone who has a great story. Feel free to get in touch. My Instagram handle is African with a K underscore sunrise. Please subscribe and comment. Illustration is by Tanya Feydan and music for the intro and outro is by Tahu Music. And you can find out more information about their work if you look below in the show notes. Thanks so much, friends. Take care and stay curious.